All right, well, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Rick's Mix. Um, as you know, I'm your host, Rick Thibodeau. Uh, and let's just jump right into it now. It's been brought to my attention that uh, since this is sort of a new podcast, that I really should have done like an introductory episode or whatever where I sort of introduce myself uh, for whoever may be listening that doesn't know anything about me or doesn't know who I am. And so I I figured, I'd, I, I, figured I would do that. And so I, I jotted some stuff down and I, other stuff I'll just go off the top of my head. Uh, but let's jump into it. Um, so, name. Let's start with my name. Uh, my name is officially Richard Paul Thibodeau Jr. My father was Richard Paul Thibodeau Sr. I was named after him. Um, he was named Dick from a young age, so that he was Dick Thibodeau. So when I was born, uh, they started calling me Rick or Ricky because they figured they wouldn't get us confused. So pretty sure I got the, got the better of that deal. Uh, anyway, I am Richard Paul Thibodeau Jr., but officially, my title is Lord Richard Paul Thibodeau Jr. II, only because uh, back when the COVID was going on and we were locked down and everybody was bored and had nothing to do, I, I happened to see a thing online where you can buy a lordship. You buy basically like a one meter by one meter plot of land in Scotland and they bestow upon you a lordship. So I plunked down my 50 bucks and guess what? I'm officially a lord. So I am Lord Richard Paul Thibodeau Jr. True story. Age, I'm 51. I was born in 1971, so which means later this year. Uh, I will be, <clears throat> excuse me, still fighting this cold, which means later this year I will be 52. I was born in a city called Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, usually when I tell people, like, where are you from? I say Nashua, New Hampshire. They're like, oh, Nashville? No, Nashua. It's an Indian name as most of the city and, and place names in New England are. Um, Nashua, for those who don't aren't familiar with it, never heard of it, which probably most of you aren't, um, Nashua is about 40 to 50 miles north of Boston. So we're kind of like an extended suburb of Boston. Nashua is right on the border of Massachusetts. It's in southern New, southern New Hampshire, right on the border of, with Massachusetts. Uh, it's a very... It's a very, very forward-thinking, very, very modern city. Um, as I mentioned, it's an extended suburb of Boston. So uh, Nashua has the distinction of being named by Money Magazine. Anyone who knows Money Magazine, they know every year they put out a list of like, like the top like 300 cities in the country to live in or something. Nashua has the distinction as the only city in the country to be named number one by Money Magazine as the best city to live in twice. Once in 1987, again in 1997. And the reason for that is, is because, as I mentioned, we're just north of Boston. We're like an extended, extended suburb. And so when I was growing up, you know, New Hampshire was like one of the maybe the most conservative uh, states in, in the country. So taxes were a lot lower and um, stuff like that. Also, crime rates lower. Uh, property taxes lower. A big thing is that there's no sales tax or state tax in New Hampshire. That's a big deal. Uh, and so because there's no sales tax, if you go to my home, home city of Nashua, right on the border, you go, especially in southern Nashua, which is right where the border is, it's all strip malls and car dealerships and everything else because, you know, the people from Massachusetts, uh, who we in New Hampshire affectionately call mass holes, uh, they love to come up across the border and buy everything tax-free, take advantage of the tax-free status. So uh, anyway, that's where I grew up. That's where I was born. That's where I was raised. It was just a, just a great place to be, to, be, to be raised in when I was a kid, especially in the 80s when the real estate boom and everything else in New Hampshire was like leading the way. 
Uh, Nashua, especially, is the second uh, largest city in New Hampshire, population-wise. And uh, the whole city, sort of, we, we, we tend to really, really think Boston. I mean, everything we get is from Boston. The, the TV stations, the newspapers, the radio stations, everything we do is, is, all, is all Boston. And so when you're born and raised in Nashua, it's, it's basically, you know, I mean, it's funny because people in Boston will be like, oh, Nashua, you guys are a bunch of, you know, a bunch of country hicks, whatever. But it's like, dude, Nashua's like Boston North. That's what a lot of people call us, Boston North. Um, anyway, nothing on that. So, uh, family, married to the former Virginia E. McCling, who was originally from the Philippines. Uh, she had been living in Hong Kong about 10 years when I met her. We have three unbelievably amazing kids. First, Xavier Michelangelo, who was born in Suave, which is a medieval walled city just outside of Verona, the city of Verona in Italy. Everybody knows Verona is where Romeo and Juliet took place. Um, and then there's Luca Cristiano, who was born in the beautiful city of Heidelberg, Germany, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And last but not least, Maximus Amadeus, who was born in our old hometown of Vicenza, Italy. So Xavier, at the time, at the current time, is 19. Luca is 14, and Max is 10. Just had a birthday, so Max is 10. Uh, education: Franklin Pierce University. I am a graduate of Franklin Pierce University in Ringe, New Hampshire. I have a Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communications. Uh, I was not a great student, to be honest with you. Um, I only went to college because my dad drilled it into my head that I basically had to go to college or I was going to be a bum. I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I didn't even declare my major until junior year, but mass communications seemed kind of fun, so I went with it. Um, I like to, you know, I like to say that, uh, you know, a lot of the academic people, they graduate, uh, like Summa Cum Laude, for instance, or Summa Cum Laude, I think it's called. Well, I graduated, uh, Laude, how come? A little bit of, a little bit of humor there. Okay. Sorry. Bad joke, I know. Uh, military service. Um, was in uh, the U.S. Army Reserve. Uh, yes, uh, so anyway, sorry. Uh, Army Reserve, 1989 through 1997. Uh, and then a year, a year later, I went active duty, transferred to active duty Army. And I served in the active duty U.S. Army from 1998 to 2004. Uh, I got out of the Army in 2004, became a contractor for about a year, and then I switched to Department of Defense Civilian, which is basically, I'm Department of the Army Civilian, which basically means I'm doing the job that I did in the Army, but I'm doing it as a civilian, so I get paid a lot more, and I don't have to hold a weapon anymore or do any of that crap, but anyway, um, so that's that. Uh, hobbies, let's go move on to hobbies. Uh, I'd say my biggest passion is probably fly fishing. I grew up fly fishing all over the great state of New Hampshire. Later, I was able to get my fly fishing license, or I should say fishing license in Italy, and I spent all my years there fly fishing the, the, the Brenta River, which is a world-class trout river for fly fishing. It comes out of the Dolomites, which are basically like the Italian Alps. It's a world-class river for fly fishing, just phenomenal, beautiful. Um, sports, I love watching sports. I was extremely fortunate to have grown up so close to Boston because I, I, I'm going to tell you, I honestly think Boston is the best sports city in the U.S. I know people argue with me, and I, I know I'm, I'm obviously biased because I was born and raised in the area, but the passion we have for our local teams, I think, is unrivaled anywhere else. Now, when I was growing up, the Celtics were one of the most dominant teams in basketball. It was a, it was a Larry Bird era, the, the big three, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, the Celtics, Lakers, that whole thing. Uh, the Red Sox, they, they were you know up and down at best. 
World Series since 86. Uh, I mean, since uh, 1918, but, you know, 86 against the Mets with the Buckner through the legs. Yeah, I was 15 years old when that happened. And, I, yeah, I cried a little. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but I was rewarded later on anyway. Uh, Bruins, when I was growing up, they were always a contention, but they could never really sort of get over the hump. The Patriots, sadly, when I was growing up in the late 70s uh, and 80s, the, the Patriots were just basically the laughing stock of the NFL. They were quite possibly one of the worst-run franchises in all of sports for most of my life before they drafted, before uh, Robert Kraft bought the team and drafted Tom Brady. Um, so, yeah, that's where I come from. I, I'm old enough to remember the Patriots when they were just horrible. There was some 1-15 in 15 leagues and their teams in the year. Just horrible, 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 horrible. My kids, thank God bless their hearts, my kids will never know, never know what it was like to grow up having the Patriots as the, as the laughingstock. Uh, anyway... I'd say soccer was actually my biggest passion as far as sports go. I grew up playing, loved the game, was actually pretty good at it for a lot of years. Um, I've also followed international soccer most of my life, especially the European leagues. And, of course, I'm a World Cup fanatic. I'm a huge fan of Serie A, which is the Italian league. And my favorite team is AC Milan, who I started following sometime in the early 90s when Marco Ben Boston and Ruth Cullet played for them. So... Uh, another of my passions is wine, a.k.a. vino. I lived in Italy 15 years, and after moving here, I quickly developed an interest in wine thanks to our upstairs neighbor, Gian Pietro. I was always a big beer fan growing up, and then, of course, I, you know, my first tour of duty was, was Germany, so the beer was flowing like, well, wine, I guess. Um, but soon after moving to Italy, Gian Pietro told me, Ricardo, you are in Italy now. You must learn to love vino. Uh, and he would bring me bottles of vino all the time, sometimes a bottle of red, sometimes a bottle of white, sometimes both. He'd give me instructions on how to let it breathe, what I'm supposed to serve it with, stuff like that, whatever, you know. So uh, over the years, I, while I was in Italy initially, uh, I figured since I was right at ground zero, you know, I developed a real passion for it. And I would go to different vineyards and do tastings, and, and I would try to, you know, I studied up. I've got probably a dozen or so books on wine. Um, several on just on wine in Italy, but several just on wine in general. Uh, I learned so much, and when you're in Italy, you, you just can't help it. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like it's like if you're a soccer fan and you live in Brazil, you just can't help. You can't escape it. You know, it's it's just it's right it's right there. It's all around you. You know, so yeah, wine, big wine guy. Um, anyway, uh, what else do I have a passion for? Uh, I have a passion for all things Italian. As I mentioned, I live I lived in Italy. I think a total of 15 years, and it just capped, just completely captivated me. Anyone who's been to Italy, you know what I'm talking about. My oldest and youngest sons were born there. My oldest, Xavier, uh, he attended Italian school for his first five years and is still completely fluent in Italian. Now, my Italian, eh, probably decent at best. Uh, my problem is that I never took a course or in any formal training in Italian. I just kind of tried hard to pick up as much as I could when I lived there. Uh, also, my daily ritual was to go down to the bar after work most nights and read the Gazzetto dello Sport, which is the Italian, uh, the, it was the daily Italian sports paper. Those have been in Italy. You may have seen it. It's a pink paper. You can't miss it. Because um, it was an Italian sports paper. It was also always heavy on soccer, or as they call it in Italy, calcio. And so I'd pour over the articles, and I'd try to break down the sentences and try to translate them as best as I could. Uh, which I was pretty good at. I've always been a very learned person when it comes to languages and stuff like that. Uh, so as a result, I can't speak Italian formally, you know, because I never took any formal training or classes. 
I don't know how to conjugate my verbs. I don't know how to put together the proper sentences or whatever. Um, it's back, in fact, you know, when we were in, in the U.S. for a little while, I, would, I, I didn't want to lose what Italian I had, so I would try to practice with, with Xavier. And he would, like, get, get upset with me, and he'd always correct me, you know, and this, this, and that. It's like, well, yeah, you went to school for it, so you know how to speak it correctly. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is I'm usually able to communicate successfully with Italians. And really, when you get when you get right down to it, that's the point of language, right? That's the point of language to be able to communicate your point, and that's what I can do. So, I figure it's a win. So, another more recent hobby of mine is cooking. So, most of my life, I couldn't cook at all. I mean, I, I literally couldn't boil an egg. I'm not kidding. I couldn't boil an egg. Now, before I got married, I mostly lived on stuff I could microwave sandwiches, cereal, ramen, stuff like that. And when I got married, I got lucky because Virginia is an un believable cook possibly the best cook i've ever known believe it or not and i don't say that lightly so you know i've been able to, i've been able to, if anyone has seen me lately you know that i've been able to eat very well the past 20 years or so now virginia tried in years, tried in vain for years to try and teach me to cook but not to no avail I, i'd always rebuffed her attempts i just had zero interest to be honest with you i, I really honestly i just had no interest in learning how to cook didn't, didn't want to do it didn't want to do it but the funny and ironic thing is that I've long been addicted to cooking shows like Iron Chef, Hell's Kitchen, stuff like that. But I had no interest in actually learning how to cook myself. But as it happens, one night while we were living in Korea, which was probably somewhere around 2019, so maybe like three or four years ago, um, Xavier and I were watching an episode of MasterChef Junior. And he says to me, he's like, Daddy, we should try to cook something this weekend. And... I don't know. Something just clicked. Something just clicked. I figured, I, I think when it started, I, I think I figured it'd be a good way to spend some time with Xavier doing something fun. Uh, but I found I enjoyed it and I wanted to keep at it, even, even after Xavier lost interest. So now, you know, well, look, I've always been a huge foodie, which isn't a surprise since I've lived and traveled extensively all over the world for about the past 25 years. Uh, just big time foodie. I've learned my flavors. I've learned, you know, I've, I've just, I've learned a ton. I've, and it's all been by, you know, personal experience, which is great. It's not book stuff. It's like actually eating and, and drinking and stuff. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of what, what I really enjoyed about cooking and, and about food in general is that I just, I just enjoy experimenting with different flavors and stuff like that. Now I've come a long way. I can do some pretty decent things in the kitchen, but look, I am far from a good cook. And I don't claim to be a great cook. Uh, for me, it's just kind of a hobby. So I just kind of mostly try to make the things that I like to eat. But one of the things I actually enjoy, one of the things I actually really, really enjoy though most is, is actually cooking for my kids. I and mean, trying to make stuff that they, you know, that they enjoy, that they really like eating. Now in that respect, Luke is my guy. I mean, that kid eats like a horse. And he likes just about everything that I make. Uh, he and I have a, an agreement that he has to be 100% completely honest when I make something for me or for him and he eats it uh, because obviously if he just blows smoke up my ass and says, oh yeah, this is great about everything I make, I'm never going to learn anything. And so he's really good about giving me honest feedback whenever I make something so I know what I have to improve on, whether it's not seasoned or whether it's this or it's that or whatever. So, so Luca's my guy. Luca is my guy when it comes to my cooking, eating my cooking. Max, not so much, because he's picky. Max doesn't like anything. So so I mentioned that I've lived and traveled all over the place, so let's run it down real quick. Just just real quick. So in 1998, I went active duty. 
I got stationed in a small town in Germany called Kitzigen. Okay, it's near a big city called Würzburg, which is, for my money, one of the greatest and most underrated cities in the world. Anyone who's been to Würzburg knows. Fantastic freaking city. Uh, Kitzigen was a suburb, like 15, 10, 15 minutes away or whatever. Würzburg, love it. We went back recently on this trip uh, last year. Kids loved it. Wonderful, wonderful city. Underrated. If you're in Germany and you get a chance to go to Würzburg, go. Check out the residence. Check out the Marienburg Fortress. Just wander around the city. It's small. You can walk around that whole thing. It's wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, two years two years in Germany. I requested a transfer to Italy. It was approved. I was sent to Vicenza, Italy. A gorgeous city in the northeast, about 45 minutes west of Venice. Vicenza is the city of Palladio, uh, who was possibly the greatest architect in the history of the world. Um, you, most of you hearing this, you probably recognize his work without even, even if you've never heard of him, because uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, took took a tour of, of northern Italy, um, and he admired uh, Palladio's style so much that he brought it back with him. And so as a result, most of the architecture that you see in Washington, D.C., uh, as well as Thomas Jefferson's own Monticello, which is on the back of the nickel, his, his hometown, is that's all Palladio. That's all Palladio style. He modeled, there's a little uh, building, there's a villa in Vicenza called uh, the La Rotunda, and uh, Thomas Jefferson modeled Monticello after it. So if you, people who go to Vicenza and they see it, they're like, hey, that looks like the back of a nickel. There's actually a saying about Vicenza that entire streets look like the back of a nickel because the whole city is done in Palladio style. It's magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Uh, anyway, we won't we won't uh, we won't spend too much time on that. We'll, that'll be for a future podcast. Uh, anyway, 2006, uh, I had been out of the army a couple of years. Was working as a contractor. I went back to Germany. This time to one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Heidelberg. Heidelberg. For those of you who've been there. You know, you just know. Heidelberg is magnificent. Uh, we had two unbelievably amazing years in Heidelberg. Uh, but in 2008, I had a chance to go back to Italy, and I just I couldn't turn it down. So we went back to Vicenza for a couple more years, or actually several more years, uh, until about 2013, the government told me, they said, you know what, you've been overseas too long. you got to go back to the U.S. So a year later, in 2014, they sent me to South Carolina. Now, remember, I'd been overseas since 1998, so we're talking 16 years in Europe uh, between Italy and Germany, and then all of a sudden, they sent me back to the U.S., but not just to the U.S., but they sent me down south, South Carolina, and it was like a double culture shock. I mean, number one, you know, imagine being outside the U.S. for 16 years, and especially around that time, I mean, God, there were so many changes. When I left in 98, we didn't have cell phones. I get back, suddenly I got, you know, I got a, I got all these cell phone plans I got to try to figure out and everything else. And it, was, it was like a double culture shock, plus because I was from New England, you know, living in the South was, uh, it was, it was not easy for me. It was not, let's just say it was not an easy trans, transition for me. So uh, I did it for a couple of years. I hated it. As soon as I had a chance. We went back overseas 2017. We went back to Vicenza for a third time. Uh, we were only there for about a year and a half, though. Then uh, my dream job that I'd wanted since I got out of the Army 2004 came open in Korea. Uh, it finally came open, and I was it was offered to me, and I just I couldn't turn it down. So it was very, very difficult to leave Italy after a year, but we had to do it because I'm like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. 
This is probably the only chance I'll ever get at this career job that I'd wanted my whole life. Uh, so I took it. Turned out to be everything I wanted and more for at least the first year and a half. Uh, then it was turned real shitty, turned into a nightmare, uh, which I'm sure I'll talk about in future podcasts. Those of me, those of you who know me and have followed me on Facebook or whatever, you know, you already know some of the stuff that happened in South Korea. We were extremely happy there, but sadly we were forced to leave against our will. Uh, we came here to Germany, Wiesbaden, Germany, which is about 20 minutes outside of Frankfurt. And that's where we currently find ourselves right now uh, for about the past two years. And who knows how much longer. Uh, I just put in for an ex another extension, which which if approved, approved would take me to 2026. I'm uh, not sure if we'll stay that long. I'm not sure if it'll, if it'll even get approved. If it doesn't, then uh, February 2024, so basically a, a, a year from next month, uh, will be my time up, and I'll have to go into PPP and, and see if where the government's going to send me then, unless I can find another thing. Uh, so I tell you, with apologies to the Grateful Dead, it's certainly been a long, strange trip, and it's still going. Who knows where it's going to end. Uh, so that's a little bit about me, where I've come from, where I am, where I'm going, I don't know. Um, hopefully it gives you a, sort of an insight into into my mind and, and some of the podcasts that I do here that I heard that I've done or sort of that I'm going to do in the future or whatever. Um, I really don't have much more to say, so I guess I'll just cut off now. Uh, and I would like to thank you all for listening. And, uh, yeah, so till next time, ciao.